day to all of our partners in the ministry. We're just so grateful that you have decided to join us today. Um, I was driving on 202 uh, yesterday after leaving the church building and uh, it was spooky. It was like a ghost town. I've never seen uh, 202 at four o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday, basically uh, barren. And so God has shaken the heavens and he is continuing to uh, cause us to adjust our lives. And so we thank God because he is, he is in charge. He causes all things to work together for the good of them who love him and are the called according to his purpose. Our passage from the word of God today is coming from the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 16. And in your leisure, I encourage you to read uh, the entire chapter, especially verses 1 through 16, and also chapter 21, where this, the account that we will be looking at continues. The verse that I want to focus on is verse 13, where it says, She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we're so grateful for the presence of your spirit. We thank you, O oh God, that we have comfort in the time of storm. God, we thank you that we are more than conquerors through your son, Christ Jesus. And Father, we thank you for every mother that is listening, um, even as prayer is being offered up. We bless you for them. God, if it had not been for mothers, none of us would be here. And so, Lord, we tell, we, we ask that you would take this word, use it to be a blessing uh, to your people in Christ's name. Amen. Although the daycare room for the toddlers was very, very uh, crowded on this particular day, there were only two adult staff assigned. But there's one kid in the room who was hyperactive. And so the two ladies that were working in the care, daycare decided, uh, since this was Mother's Day weekend and they're going to be doing projects with the toddlers, uh, that one would devote her time to giving one-on-one one -on -one attention to the child by no fault of his own, who is extremely hyperactive. And so he was given an assignment that was a little different from all the other children. Uh, the daycare worker asked him to make a rocket ship uh, for his mother's special day. And she showed him a picture gave him some materials to complete the assignment. And to the surprise of the two daycare workers, this, two, this toddler remained completely focused, 
working on this rocket ship for his mother until he was finished. And he was so proud of himself that he brought the rocket ship uh, to the, uh, the, the, the teachers and said, look at my rocket ship. This is for my mother's, uh, mother's Day. And he was just so happy and, and on target and focused that he could hardly wait until his mother arrived. When it was time for the children to leave, Every child had been picked up except for the young man who had made the rocket ship for his mother. She got there late. She was obviously frustrated and in a hurry. And the first thing that the little boy did with his eyes beaming brightly, Mom, Mom, uh, look at my rocket ship. I made it for you. Look at my rocket ship. I made it for you. Mom, look at my rocket ship. With each declaration she responded i'm in a hurry i don't have time for this let's go get your coat we, we got to get to to grandmom's house uh, 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 and she grabbed his hand and as she was uh holding his hand she was pulling him away out of the room as he was trying to get her attention and then the hand that was free he was holding his rocket ship dragging it across the floor watching it fall apart and by the time the young toddler reached the door to exit the building, you could see his shoulders shrinking. He had made the rocket ship for his mother, but his mother was too frustrated and in a hurry to take time to even notice. Now, it would be very easy uh, to pass judgment on his mother looking at her from a spectator's seat. But until you walk in the shoes of a 21st century mother, uh, you may come to the wrong conclusions. Mothers are experiencing enormous pressure and guilt because they're being pulled in so many directions at the same time. Many mothers are forced to live in the fast lane of life, not by choice, but by obligation. Some feel like failures while the world is saying motherhood is highly overrated. It's time for women to just do me. For every mother that feels overwhelmed, under, unsure of herself, Uh, and not really clear on who you are apart from your role as a mother, if you're feeling abandoned to a sink or swim proposition that people say, oh, you're a mother, you should, be able, you should know how to do this. Or maybe you're just upset that COVID-19 has hijacked your special day. Never forget, that God sees you. That's the message for today. Mothers, God sees you. And not only does he see you, the tense of that verb actually indicates that he's watching you at all times. You never escape God's notice. God sees you. Of all the names God gives himself in scripture, 
only one name was given to him by a person. Her name is Hagar. We find her in Genesis chapter 16. I listen to the name that she ascribes to God at a time in her life when she was convinced that no one cared because she really didn't matter. In verse 13, we read again, and she gave him the name, this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. You are El Roy, the God who sees. The God who not only is looking and watching, but the God who sees me and the one who allows me as he's staring at me to look back at him. Somebody say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Now, like Hagar, every mother needs to know that to not only know that God sees, but you need to have a God sees me experience in your life. You need to know that the private thoughts that you think, the dreams that you have, the fears, every time you feel misunderstood, mistreated, uh, alienated, uh, you, you're in a crowded room, but you're by yourself. You need to have in your, your resume of your walk with God that you and God in your situation have made eye contact, that he is personally connected to you in a way that you have no doubt that you matter to him and you are totally loved and accepted by him. If you never did a, if you never did another thing, you need to have a God has seen me experience. This is not just an intellectual knowledge of verses in the Bible. This is a personal experiential encounter that every woman and particularly today, every mother should and can have with God. God sees me. Now from the passage in Genesis chapter 16 verses 1 through 15, we're going to gain insight on why motherhood is more challenging than it's ever been. It's more challenging than it's ever been. And so the first thing that I want to say about motherhood is that it's very diverse. Motherhood is very diverse. A lot of variations. We can't give one single definition or explanation of what is a mother. It's more complicated now than it's ever been. Uh, listen to uh, verses one through four of chapter 16. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maid servant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please, can you imagine, brothers, your wife begging you to allow, your, to, to give you permission to go and have a relations with another woman. This is how desperate Sarah was to become a mother, to feel fulfilled, to, to complete what her understanding of a real woman is. And so she said, please go into my maid. Perhaps she will obtain a child. I will obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded uh, the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, 
the Egyptian and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. After Abraham had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan, so he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. It should be noticed that the Bible refers to Hagar when Abraham and Sarai reference her as a maid servant, a maid. During this time in, in ancient history, a person that was a maid servant was an individual. It's, it's kind of equivalent to what Paul refers to himself in James, where he calls himself a bond, well, where, where James refers to himself as a bond servant of the Lord. This was servant servitude that was voluntary. A person could agree, in this case, a young female virgin could hire herself out as a living servant voluntarily to a family that would be responsible for her room and board, for her food, and for just the basic necessities of life. On other occasions, fathers to earn money for their families would sell their daughters to families or to men uh, to become personal servants. Now, the interesting thing about being in a servant, a maid servant in this case, you had no rights, you had no legal status, you were viewed by those who you worked for as property. You were just a thing. And your only value to that family is what you did for them. And when you were not doing something for them, you were invisible to them. And so Hagar found herself in this predicament where she was simply a part of the woodwork. She was a, a picture on the wall. She was a part of the carpet, just another thing in Abraham and Sarah's life until they decided that they needed her. She was nameless. They, when, when Abraham and Sarah referred to Hagar, they don't even call her by her name. Sarah refers to her as her maid servant. So she went nameless. She was powerless. To them, she was simply invisible. And as I've already said, no rights. She couldn't go to the court and say she was abused and they were being unfair to her. She simply had to be available to be whatever her masters, her employers required of her. Isn't it interesting, mothers, that sometimes you feel that you have become nothing more than an object in the home? Uh, that you are simply an invisible uh, entity until somebody needs to go to practice and they need a ride or someone needs to uh, go to rehearsal at school or uh, long before there was Uber or DoorDash, uh, mothers have been that for their families. Uh, you are the, the clock. Nobody can actually look at a clock. They got to ask moms, what time is it? Or uh, where's the remote? Uh, you are the, you're the satellite dish and, and or you are the person who uh, gets attention from your family whenever, when people are hungry. What's for dinner? Uh, you could be on the phone talking to a friend and uh, really involved in a, a very deep discussion. And uh, that doesn't matter. You simply exist for what your family needs. So the child or 
an adult or husband or a teenager will burst into the room and, and simply begin talking to you as if you have no significance apart from what you do. Sometimes women don't have, that don't have children suffer in silence because they think that real women have children. Uh, mothers, many mothers uh, or women that desire to uh, be mothers, you actually are, are in that role. You define yourself, unfortunately, as by what you do by what you do. And so often when you talk to mothers, you see them uh, having discussions over a meal. Uh, they go out, mom, mother's night out, et cetera. And the, and the question is, how are you? And the first thing a mother or woman would say that has children is they begin to talk about their lives as mothers. Uh, it's not unlike men when we are asked to get involved in a meaningful conversation. The first thing we'll do is tell people what we do outside of the home. Uh, God has made women to be relational. But I want to suggest to you, the God who sees you, sees you as more than just the role you play as a mother. Your significance is not only based on what you can offer and do, to, do for other people. God knows your real worth because it is him who gives us our, our real value. Now, the question is, who is a mother? Who is a mother? Who can be a mother? Well, a mother can be a step parent. Uh, I don't like the terminology of step. Nobody's a step anything. So let's refer to the person who's operating in that role as a, as a bonus mom, a mother that has a response. And this person is the, uh, uh, a mother, a female who has the responsibility of raising someone else's children. And that makes her a mother. A mother can be an adopted parent, someone who chooses someone else's children to become her children and she raises them. She takes that responsibility. A mother can be a foster parent, a grandmother. Uh, many children are being raised by grandparents, second and third generation. Uh, children are being raised by uh, people in their 60s and 70s. And so a mother, you take the responsibility of raising children, that makes you a mother. Uh, a mother can be an older female sibling or relative in the family. When my aunt, who had 10 children, died, uh, the children were divided into uh, between the four siblings. Uh, uh, my mother took four, another sister took two, another sister took two. I, you know, I'm going to add them up properly. And then a brother took And they automatically became the mother of these children. No one even thought twice about it. Once children needed a parent, family members stepped in and took the responsibility. And in that role, uh, someone else's children became your children. A mother can be a church member, somebody in the church that has legal responsibility for raising someone else's children. Could be a friend or a trusted neighbor. A mother can be a surrogate mother like Hagar. Uh, a, a surrogate mother is someone who has conceives a child for a, for a family, and once the child is born, uh, they are turned over to the family that she carried the baby for. There's normally money involved. In this case, Hagar didn't see a penny. There was no money involved, no choice involved. 
She had no opinion. She had no rights. She simply was just a part of, a, of something that Abraham and Sarah owned. And because of her lack of rights, she became a surrogate mom. Sometimes mothers are rape victims. I didn't plan to have a child. Some mothers uh, end up having children in, as teenagers. Uh, so you have teenage mothers. You have children that were born out of incest. And the child, though born out of uh, incest, is still the, the son or the daughter of the person who gave birth to them as a biological parent. The important thing about the diversity of motherhood is no matter how God blessed you with the responsibility of raising a child, we need to remember that children are a gift from the Lord and the fruit of the womb is a reward. They are a heritage from God, a treasure that he's entrusted you with. And so the blessing is that from God's perspective, However you become a mother, that gift that he has placed in your care, there's no partiality. God is not, how, how did the child come into your life? That is insignificant to God. What matters to him is the jewel that he has given you to mold, to, to do as he says in Proverbs chapter 22, train up a child in the way that they should go. So when they're old, they will not depart from God has entrusted you with this gift from his hands to produce and reproduce a godly seed. And so motherhood can be diverse. Now, what you need to also understand that who you are is not determined. Your identity is not determined by the fact that you are a mother. That doesn't make you who you are. It doesn't determine your worth or, or value. Hagar was pregnant with Abraham and Sarah's baby, but she was still viewed as nothing more than property they owned. Uh, some women actually look for significance in childbearing and they have, I want to have somebody's baby and I want to, if I just could have a baby and I could walk around with a carriage and I could uh, show my little kid off to to my girlfriends, and somehow that's going to make you have worth or significance. And what we learned from Hagar's experience, that, that didn't change anything about how she was viewed by the people that were in a position to know her best. Hagar's view of herself had not changed. She didn't know who she was. A lot of times when women, and even I've seen this when people are having marital problems, they think, oh, let's get a baby and then we'll, that'll keep us together. No, sometimes the worst thing you can do when you don't know who you are and you're searching for your identity and you're trying to become, quote unquote, an adult, is to invite into that circumstance the responsibility of rearing a child. And so Hagar was now pregnant, but she still had no rights. She had no sense of who she was. She was still searching. And I want to uh, share with uh, this so the concept that for many women, uh, again, they're looking for definition, looking for certainty, trying to figure out who they are, what is my purpose, why am I here? And then, oh, I'm a mother. That, that's why I am. No, that's what you do. That's not who you are. That doesn't 
determine your worth. Because one day, those same children that you held in your arms and changed their diapers and cleaned their noses, they're going to grow up and they're going to leave. And then who are you once they're gone? So we'll talk a little bit more about that. So Hagar viewed herself, the view she had of herself never changed. Now, a man was hiking in caves and he stumbled across a big rock that was, it just happened to be gold. It, the color of the rock was gold. And so he decided, I don't want to pick it up and take it home and it'll become one of my trophies of something I kind of discovered when I was doing exploration. So he takes the rock home and he places it on the floor and he makes it his doorstop. It's a doorstop. And so when he opens his door, he puts his gold rock down and, and it went on for years. It's just a doorstop. And then one day, a friend of his was visiting. He looked at the gold stone. He said, did you know that this is pure gold? Man, he had no idea. So he rushed down to the appraiser, and he had the rock appraised, the door stopped. And it was nothing to him. He just found it in a cave. It's just a, another object in, in amongst other stones. And he really, come to find out, it was worth millions of dollars. He had treated a million-dollar stone like it was nothing, like it was trash. Now, the question is, when did the stone become valuable? When did the stone become worth millions of dollars? When he figured it out, when he took it and it was appraised, or was it always valuable and significant because of how its creator had designed it? I want you to know, ladies, that you don't become valuable because you have a child or because you are raising children or because you are devoted and committed and God bless you. Thank you. And oh, don't stop doing it. And I know that there's a lot of reward. It's an honorable thing to be a mother, but your value is not determined by what you do, but by the appraiser named Jesus who made you. You were created in the image and the likeness of God. You are, the Bible says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's before you met your husband, before you had a child, before you got that degree, before you went to school, before somebody told you were pretty or not attractive, before somebody told you that you have to live here or drive that. Your value was already determined, so much so that God proved your worth by sending his son, Jesus, to die for us. Just because you're having a Hagar experience, just because you may feel like a doorstopper, that doesn't make you any less than pure gold. It doesn't make you any less than that which God has created and said, this is good. Mothers are very diverse. Ladies, you may not fully understand your value apart. You will never fully understand your value apart from the Lord. I know that we want to hear people acknowledge how much they appreciate us and, and, and we want to be uh, uh, accepted. And, 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 but ultimately, if you don't find your definition for who you are in the, in the God who created you, you'll always be searching you always feel insignificant. It doesn't matter how big the house is. It doesn't matter how much you work out and stay in shape and, and what people say to, uh, that's great about you until you are defined in your own thoughts by the God who sees you. You will always be searching 
for significance. Here's the second thing. Motherhood does not guarantee you that you will be appreciated. I've all kind of already alluded to that, but so listen to what the scripture says in verse 6 of Genesis chapter 16, verse 6. So Abraham said to Sarah, indeed, your maid is in your hands. You gave her to me. You told me to have sex with her so she could be a surrogate mother. And now that she's pregnant, you feeling all, you feeling some kind of way, Sarah. You feeling threatened and insecure because the baby is coming, but you still can't have a child at this time because this is the will of God for you. So, 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 so Abraham says, indeed, the maid is in your hands. Do whatever you please. I, I really like the spiritual stance that Abraham takes the same way he said when Sarah said you can have her. He, the Bible says he heeded to her voice. He wasn't acting as a spiritual leader when he, get, when he agreed to do what God had not given him permission to do. And listen to what it says. And when Sarai, and when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Notice the scripture says she's pregnant. And you would think that this would be a special time. Now they're going to know my name. Now they're going to pay attention to me. I'm going to become more than just what I do. The Bible says she was harshly treated and she fled. Now, back in the day, you could talk about anybody. You could call dad a drunk, talk about brothers and sisters and how they were not smart students. But there was one person in the house that was off limits to anybody that didn't live in your house. You couldn't talk about mama. You could be busting on somebody's mother if you did. It's back in the hood where I came and you start talking about, don't you be talking about my mama. Once you start busting on mama, you knew it was time to throw down. Fists were going to fly. Back in the day, mothers had, it didn't matter if mom was an alcoholic, mom was a crackhead, mom was in prison, mom was mean as ten snakes. Nobody talked about your mother. That has changed. People ain't standing up for mothers like they once did. Unfortunately, mothers are not honored and esteemed the way that Proverbs 31, 10 through 31 says, a mother should be esteemed by her works and by the calling on her life. And so Hagar may have thought this was going to be a turning of the page. No, she was mistreated. Hagar was mistreated. Here's what's interesting. This is the hard part. Sometimes women are treated worse by other women. This was Sarah who was mistreating her. This was a person of status. Sarah had money. Sarah had power. She had the authority. This is somebody you work with who is your, who's your supervisor, who is your CEO, and they're looking at you when you say you need to be home with your child, they're sick again, and instead of them encouraging you to do what you need to as a mother, they're looking at you as if you're an underachiever. They're looking at you as if you've wasted your life. You went four years to college. You've got these three degrees. You've got this special training. And all you do is go home and wipe noses, wipe backsides, and feed people in iron clothes and 
focus on children. And so sometimes you'll be mistreated by other women in positions of authority who don't look at motherhood as something to admire or to honor. They look at it as somebody who really isn't committed to becoming the best they can be. And so she was mistreated. She was misunderstood. No one really knew her, including Hagar. That's the challenge that sometimes you have. My mother died at age 50. She raised children from the age of 18 until she died. She never got a chance to know what life was really about before she died. There are a lot of women who have no idea of what their purpose is, uh, God's assignment for their life, uh, what they really love, uh, what they would do if they didn't have children to raise. Well, Hagar was misunderstood starting with herself. She didn't know who she was. She was just in her mind whatever other people needed. She lived to please others. Hagar was also not only mistreated and misunderstood, she was muted. Her voice was silent. She did and said what was expected. Isn't it interesting that somewhere in our minds, there's this voice that tells us as mothers or men, this is the way a real mother should be. This is what real mothers should do. This is what a real man is. This is how real men talk. Now, here's the deep thing about it. Whatever that this is, is always something that you're not. And so as you are trying to be the best mother or father that you can be, this is this elusive voice of false expectations that every time you think you finally get it right, you climb up to that ladder and you wave your hands in victory and then the person who made those false expectations yells at you from another building and says, oh, by the way, you're climbing up the, the ladder right, but you're at the wrong building. And so we constantly are listening to this voice of what a real woman is, what a real man is. And it's always an imaginary, fictitious person that is more real to us than what God says we are and what we should do. And so her voice was muted. And so as you are trying to be that mother, that wife, that person that God wants you to be, the voice of God in your mind is muted because it's drowned out by what you saw on TV, by what other people's family appear to be when you look at their families from the outside. And I wish I could be like that family. I wish I could be like that family. And I want people to think of my family in this way. Why do we want people to think of our family in, 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 in this way or that way? Who has determined what that definition or de design should look like? We better be sure that we are getting our marching orders from the word of God. Because if we don't, we will find ourselves never satisfied. Hagar, more than anything, mistreated, muted, uh, misunderstood. She was miserable. 
How many of you remember? Is it smiling faces tell lies? Now, I want to be very careful, mothers, that, yeah, grass looks greener on the other side. Uh, and if I never had to do all these things, I could have become this or that. But there are a lot of women who are miserable because they don't see themselves as any more than objects that are there to serve their families. Is this helping anybody? I, this wasn't my plan. I just simply said, ask the Lord, direct me, tell me what to preach today. And here I am in Genesis chapter 16 with Hagar being mistreated, misunderstood, voice muted, and now miserable. How do I know she was? She fled from her pain. She ran to something not totally knowing where she was going. I want you to know, mothers, you don't have to leave your family to flee. You can be right at home. You can be physically present, but totally emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. You done checked out. You fled. Sometimes you can flee uh, trying to escape the emptiness, the pain, the misunderstanding, feeling unappreciated, not being clear on who you are. You can flee to your job and look for accolades from your coworkers. So you're running. You're running. Many uh, mothers uh, are, are running to, do you think the answer is, I got to keep my figure. So you run to a personal trainer who tells you how beautiful you are and how great you're going to look and just keep on paying me and keep me coming. And, and you lost the weight, but you still feel miserable. You still see something other than what you thought you would see once you've worked out and got it all together. You got that extra degree and still, like Hagar, you're miserable. Sometimes women will run to ministry at church. They live at the church. They join every ministry that is on the books. And then they fall, they get home and they pass out. And why would a woman spend all of her time at the church doing ministry? Oh, she loves Jesus. Oh, how committed she is. And man, you know, sometimes that's not an indication of a love for Jesus. That's an indication that somebody's very unhappy at home. And so you get home, you pass out, or you go through the motions, you get the food, the baked, baked beans, the, uh, the, the hot dogs, and pizza, or you order out, and, and, and let those jokers go to sleep until the next day. Uh, it's kind of like the woman. You remember the story in John chapter 4, the woman at the well? The Bible says that Jesus saw her. He saw her. Now, we're not giving her name, but Jesus refers to her as a woman, uh, uh, and, and, and so she meets Jesus at the well and Christ says in their conversation, go home and get your husband, your husband. And she said, I ain't married. And Jesus says, you've spoken the truth. In fact, you're not married, but you've been married five times. And the man that you're living with is not your husband. And so what Jesus was saying, she, she says, oh, I perceive that you're a prophet. You've gone from, you've gone from preaching to meddling. Now you're all in my business. What, what Jesus was saying is, sister, you have been searching for love and acceptance and meaning in all the wrong places. But if you had asked me for a drink, if you had come to me, I would have given you water. I would have given you living water and you would never thirst again. I would satisfy your deepest need, your deepest desire. And guess what? The only person who can do that is Jesus. Not a man, not a job, not a career, not your physical physique, not your supplements that you take. The only person 
that can give you true significance is the one that's offering this drink that will totally guarantee satisfaction. She was running. Mothers, are you running? I remember saying to a mother, <clears throat> very young, she started having children as a teenager, and I said, look, if you just hang in there and complete the assignment, before you know it, your children will be grown, they will be adults with you. Just hang in there, keep the assignment. Understand that your value is not determined by what you do, but it will confirm that who you belong to because of your obedience to the word. I begged her. And unfortunately, she's still running. She's still trying to find significance through other things. And so Hagar was miserable. She fled from her pain. Are you running from something? I know you're smiling. I know people think that everything's fine. But God sees. God is watching. He knows your, your most intimate thoughts. He knows those things that you mumble under your breath. God sees you. And so motherhood doesn't guarantee that you will be appreciated. Here's the final thing. Motherhood can cause you to see God or see the God who sees you. Hallelujah. Motherhood, whatever you're going through in your experience as a mother, God will orchestrate circumstances in such a way that they can cause you to see him. And while he is watching you, you can look and see him with his eyes of compassion on the most minute detail in your life. Watch, watch this in verses 9 through 14. Not going to read all the verses, but listen. Now the angel of the Lord found her. Notice the Bible says that the, while she's running from Abraham and Sarah, they might not have known she was gone. Might have jumped in your car and just drove. I'm gone. I don't know where I'm going. I ain't coming back to this crazy house. I just can't do it again anymore. I want to know what my purpose is. And so Hagar runs, and the Bible says the angel of the Lord, none other than the pre-incarnate Christ in physical form, he said that the angel found her. I want you to understand God knows where you are. Not only does he know where you are, the scripture says he found her at the spring of water in the wilderness by the spring on the way to Shur, and he said he spoke to her. That's the thing. In the midst of what you're going through, the God who sees will speak to you. He will calm you. He will, he, will, he will give you a preceding word. And guess what he does? He called her name. Hagar, you're not a maid servant. You're not just what you do. You're not just a piece of property. You're not just a painting on the wall. He says, Hagar, Hagar. God knows where you are and he pursues you and he will speak to you. But he also will call you by your name. He'll call you by your name because you're significant to him. And he says, where have you come from? Where are you going? What are you searching for? What he was saying, I care about what matters to you. Those thoughts, those dreams, those frustrations, that pain, that I care. Where are you coming from and where are you going? This may have been the first time in Hagar's entire life that someone had ever listened to her or called her by her name 
or cared about where she was or what she wanted in her life. Maybe the first time. I want you to understand, ladies, when you have a God has seen me experience, oh, you will understand that he knows where you are. He knows your name and he will talk with you, he will speak to you. And he will show you by his words, your life is significant to him. She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress. Here's the, the thing that blessed me too. She was able to be honest. Many mothers don't feel like they can just be, if, you, if you're struggling, you want to throw up your hands and, and you just feel unfulfilled. Who can you pick up the phone and, and, and they ask you, where are you going and, 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 and where have you come from? And you just say, let me be honest with you. Unfortunately, more often than not, you can't tell the truth. You just have to pretend that, it, you know, God is good and, and, and all the time God is good. Who can you really be honest with? as a mother about your internal battles that all mothers from time to time have. She was able to be honest with the Lord. I know that the good news about the Lord is he's a, he's very, he, he keeps all confidences. He's a great secret keeper, but you ought to have somebody in your life that you can be honest with. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your, for, uh, return, uh, return to your mistress, and he says, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly. And look at verse uh, 13. Uh, she responds. He says, because the Lord has heard, because the Lord, he says, return to your mistress because the Lord has heard your afflictions. The Lord has heard your affliction. He knows the tears that you shed. He knows the insecurities that you feel. He knows the rejection. He knows the uncertainty. Return. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are El Roy, the God who sees. For she said, I have, I've also, I have also here seen him who sees me. That's the beautiful thing. Here's, here's three quick things. What we've already kind of looked at. This is to per personalize this. God reached out to her in her pain. That's what the Lord will do, ladies, if you will simply turn to him. He also said uh, to her, and, and let me read uh, Psalm 34, verse 15. It says, the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. The eyes of the Lord are watching over you. His ears are open to your cry for help. And so the angel of the Lord makes the first step. He reaches out. I want you to know that the angel of the Lord, through the person of the Holy Spirit, is reaching out to you right now. And he will deliver you. He'll give you help. Here's the same thing. God says, stop running. Stop running to some type of fulfillment outside of what I have determined your value to be and what your assignment is. And he says, return. But this time when you return to your situation that may not have changed, may not gotten better, you still may be viewed by those who you serve as in, uh, insignificant, unimportant, misunderstood, and all those things that she felt. But he says, return with a different perspective. In, the, instead of going back the way you left and fleeing, go back focusing on my promises for your life. He said, I am going to make you through what I'm doing in your womb exceedingly great. 
I want you to understand that the promises of God are for you right now in your circumstance. And so when you feel the least and the worst and unsure, reflect on the promises of God for your life. I know the thoughts that I have for you, not of evil, but good. Focus on the promises of God. Find your value in the Lord. Your value in the Lord. You're not serving because as a mother, because of what society has dictated. No, this is as unto the Lord. The Bible says what we, what we do for the Lord, he will reward us. Find your value in him. I'm running on now. Follow his instructions. He says, and you will bear a child and you shall name him Ishmael. Go back. Be obedient to the word of God. And God says, when not only do we meditate in the word both day and night, but when we obey, he said, we'll be like trees that are planted by the rivers of water. And mothers, whatever you do, God says it's going to prosper. And so it's just not unclear and vague and not true. No, if we want to find direction and purpose for our life, what we want to do is focus on his promises, follow his commands, find our worth in him. God reveals that he sees us. He sees us. And that means he sees us for what we really are. Ladies, the Bible says that man looks at the outward appearance. But God knows you from the inside out. He knows your motives. He knows your heart. He knows your fears, all your doubts. He knows your anger. He knows the things that you desire and feel like you're lacking. He knows. He knows your heart. But not only knows what knows you from when God sees us, he knows us from the inside out, but God knows you for what you can become, what you will be. The Bible said, he who began a good work in you, he will perfect it. He will complete it until the day of redemption. God knows you for what you will ultimately be. But here's what I really love. God knows you as he looks at you through the eyes of Jesus. You are accepted <laughs> just as you are. You're accepted and unconditionally loved because of what Jesus, God said, while you were yet without strength, I proved how much I loved you. I sent my son, Jesus. And so if you don't feel loved, if you don't feel appreciated, understand that you are accepted in the beloved. You are loved unconditionally in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, how can you see him for yourself? It's one thing, Peter was walking on the water, and I'm jumping ahead of myself, but you can see him for yourself. Every time you open up this word, you can see the Lord. Every time you surrender to the Lord in obedience by working for him, you can see the Lord because the word is working in your life. And when the word is working in your life, the presence of the Lord is on display. Let your light so shine. And so I can see the Lord every time I open up this word, every time I obey him and I'm walking in obedience. I can see the Lord as I'm watching him work through others to be a blessing to me in and around my life. You can see the one who's watching you. As long as you don't allow yourself to be distracted. God sees you, mothers. God cares. He knows you from the inside out. He knows what you can be and will be. He also knows that you are accepted and beloved. 
When you understand, when you grasp this, mothers, when you have this encounter of a God who sees you that you can look back at, what's going to happen? It's going to change your worship. The Bible says in second, I'm about, oh, I wish I could stand up and walk around on this. Oh my goodness. In second Samuel chapter six, the Bible says when the Ark of the Covenant was coming back into the camp, that David got so excited that he took his shirt off and he began to praise the Lord. He didn't care who saw him, what they thought of him, what they said of him. He didn't care how he looked. And his wife saw what David was doing when he got home. She said, how dignified were you as a king? You look ridiculous. You look foolish. What are you doing? I, I know they're all laughing at you right now. And then David said, this was this was not for you. This was not for them. This wasn't even for me. This was as unto the Lord was looking at me. I want you to understand when you when you get this that the Lord sees you. You don't care what people think. You have a freedom and a liberation where the Spirit of the Lord is. There's liberty. You're going to stop worrying about what they say and how they're looking at you and how they feel about you because you only have an audience of one to please. His name is Jesus. You'll be able to do what Peter did. Peter, I jumped on the, Peter walked on water because he was looking at the God who saw him. Jesus was walking on the water and Peter looking from the ship. He said, Lord, bid me to come. I want to come. I want to walk on water. I want to do something miraculous in my life. And, and the Lord said, I bid you, come on, get out here. Walk on this water. Be this mom that I'm calling you to be. Be this purpose-driven woman that I'm calling you. And so Peter started walking on the water. Oh my goodness, he's walking on the water. He's looking at God and God is looking back at him. And while he's keeping his eyes on the one who's looking at him, he's able to accomplish supernatural, miraculous things. And, and Peter, like us, the Bible says when he took his eyes off of the one who was looking at him, he began to sink. I want you to know, Mother, every time you take your eyes off of Jesus, you're going to sink. You're going to sink. But when you're looking at him who's altogether lovely, who has all power, all authority, you're going to be able to do the walking on water thing that will give nobody the glory and the 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 uh, and the, and the props for God. Here's the final thing. You will win in whatever situation you're in. Let me tell you how you're going to win. While God is watching you. When you have this experience, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, when you pray, go into your private closet. Oh, God, get into your closet. Ladies, here's how you're going to win. I don't know what your circumstance is. I don't know what people are saying. I don't know how you feel like you're being treated. Get in your closet, your prayer closet. Oh, God. Oh, God. I've walked in on my wife from time to time, and she's on her knees. And I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God. This woman will pray. Get in your private room with God. And the scripture says, and he who, that, who sees in secret, oh, he's watching you. He sees what you're praying from your heart in secret about your circumstance, about others. And he says, he who sees you praying in your private closet will reward you openly. You're going to win. But the way you're going to win is get, get, get on your knees and call on God. Talk to your heavenly father. Motherhood is diverse. Motherhood doesn't guarantee that you're going to be appreciated. Motherhood will allow you to see the God who sees you. Amen. Father, we love you. We praise you for who you are. We thank you that you're El Roy, 
You are the God who sees. You know us intimately. There is nothing that is hidden from you. And God, we thank you that when we flee, when we feel our worst, you pursue us with your love. And you remind us through your word that you're not finished. God, I praise you today for every mother I ask, oh God, that this word would minister to their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. We praise God uh, for each and every mother. And what a great blessing it would be for mothers. Some have died uh, during this COVID-19 pandemic alone in hospital rooms where their families could not come to hold their hand. I've watched as hundreds of coffins lined up in open graves are placed in the back of uh, trailer trucks. And my heart has been broken. And I want you to know that the heart of God is broken. And, and he did say that he would shake the heavens so that men would fear him and know that he's God. And I believe that's what's happening. And so part of what God wants us to understand that it is appointed unto man once to die, but after we have died, there's judgment. And so the decisions that you make today about who Jesus is will determine not if you die, but where you spend eternity after death. So my question for you is, have you ever personally asked Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to forgive you of your sins and to allow you to become a part of God's eternal family? If you've not done that, I want to extend to you an invitation to trust Christ as your personal Savior from sin. There's a penalty for sin. That's separation from God, both presently and ultimately eternally, eternally, because there's a second death. And the Bible says, if you say with your mouth, if you agree in your, with your mouth, say what God says about who Jesus is as the God man who came in human form to pay for our sins. He said that you shall be saved. Present progressive tense. Right now, you'll be saved. So I'm going to ask you to bow with me. Simply repeat this prayer after me if you're sincere about turning your life over to Christ. Lord Jesus, I need you. I have sinned and my sin separates me from you. I believe that you died for every one of my sins, past, present, and future. I accept your finished work that you paid in full when you died on the cross and God accepted your sacrifice by raising you up from the dead on the third day. Father, I thank you for giving Jesus as a forgiveness for my sin. I accept him as my Lord and my savior. Thank you for saving me in Jesus name, amen. Amen, if you pray that, pray that prayer and you're sincere, uh, you should pick up the phone call our church number or tell another believer who can help be to you begin to grow in your walk uh, as a Christian. Uh, call our church number, uh, go to our website, and we will follow up 
and, and pray with you and get materials to you if you need them so that you can begin to walk this life that Jesus promised he would give us. He said, I've come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. Uh, before we have prayer for the mothers, I want to invite all of uh, New Direction's family that received emails uh, to, to join us for our uh, town hall at 11.15. Go to your phone. It'll give you directions. Uh, even I have had to learn how to do these town hall Zoom meetings. Uh, so would you please do that? Um, I want to also remind our partners that if this ministry is blessing you, please join us in fulfilling the vision uh, for New Direction Bible Fellowship uh, to be a church that helps people reach their full potential by making disciples that make disciples through the life-changing word. So feel free to go to our website and uh, follow instructions about how you might be able to give to help us to become all that God is calling us to become. Let's pray and then we'll have the benediction. Heavenly Father, we just lift up every mother as they are gathered around uh, this medium uh, live stream. We bless you, oh God. We thank you for every mother. Oh God, I pray that they would have or have already experienced the Hagar experience where they know that you see them. Father, I pray that every mother would find their value in you. God, I pray for each mother. The, the, you said that the, the seasoned women, the, the mature women, the older women should teach the younger women how to love their husbands and their own children. I pray, God, that you would raise up women that don't mind uh, making themselves available to help the younger mothers to walk through these challenging times of raising kids uh, in, in, in an unprecedented experience uh, in, in, in our lifetime, that mothers would be willing to do that. And then, God, I thank you that lives are being touched even now, that the hands that rock the cradle rules the world. We thank you, oh God, for mothers who are still willing to rock the cradle. Thank you, God, for mothers who are willing to make those sacrifices and do it as unto the Lord. And now, oh God, I pray that you release in the millennials a desire to continue to be the mothers that you have described in your word, that you will produce a godly seed that your name will be proclaimed throughout the earth. God, I thank you for the spirit of God who's at work right now in each one of these ladies that are hearing my voice, that you will honor their, their efforts and cause them to know that what they're doing in secret, you will reward openly. In Jesus' name, amen. And now for our benediction. Now the God of peace that brought you again from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Amen.